Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I'm officially depressed. Carson Wentz is back. Jacob Eason is back to QB2. Um, my life sucks. So let's get the show started. We have Zach Hicks of Sports Illustrated. I mean, him and I show, you know, share an equal love for a player we will get into here in a little bit. But you already know how it goes. The great Zach Hicks. Zach before we get to this other clown here in the show, we got to, you know, the fans already know you, man. How you been? Been good, man. Uh, can't complain too much. Just trying to, you know, survive the offseason craze, especially this year. I feel like yeah. the preseason highs and lows that we usually get from fans and even writers this year, so many writers too, of like, you know, Zach Wilson throws one good pass in the preseason and now everyone's want to change their entire takes on the guy. And it's like, you know, I'm just trying to survive these highs and lows right now, not try to get too high off of preseason. I know we all miss football. We all missed the preseason last year, but it's a little crazy. So outside of trying to survive that, though, I think I'm doing pretty good. Uh, ready for, you know, Cole's regular season to start here in a couple of weeks. Hey, I thought the most annoying type of sports writer were the ones that would just stick to their guns no matter what happened. But watching the people just flip-flop this offseason, um, not to add a specific – Colts beat writer uh but the ability that some of these guys have just to have no pride in what they say and just like flip-flop two days later like nobody read the other piece it's impressive like I mean I wish I had that type of confidence I guess or calling someone in your comments saying that like oh you clearly can't read and then the person posting a screenshot from one of their articles like two weeks earlier that showcased that they can read and that they were contradicting so yeah it's um, Maybe he was even shocked that people paid to read the article. Oh my God! No, we're taking that out of the show. We're not talking <laughs> about other cult content creators. No, we don't do that. Okay. Uh, 
Jesus, man. I'm just going to say it right now. I know for a fact that I will be the one sending this file over. It's not getting deleted. It's staying in there. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hey, at least I've been consistent on that matter, okay? At least I've been consistent. Jesus. Oh, my gosh. That conversation we're about to get into the conversation we already we already know what we're talking about the qb2 battle uh which everybody wanted to think it was the qb1 battle but traditionally obviously it was the qb2 battle so this past saturday we got to witness another victory for the indianapolis colts we are undefeated we're going to the super bowl um of preseason so 12 to 10 that was the Final score in Minnesota, obviously we saw um, not so good things from Sam Ellinger. Jacob Eason had a shaky first half, very bad for first half. Let me stop sugarcoating it. Very bad first half. Uh, Kylan Granson proved us right. It wasn't just one game. It's an ongoing issue. I'm, I'm kidding, Granson. Come on, you're in the NFL. After um, just but- one game. Right. After just one game, he's a rookie, man. Hey, Naheem Hines had a fumbling issue and he corrected that. So, hey, uh, let's get into it. The quarterback battle took on another, you know, head of its own in Minnesota. Sam Ellinger got the start for some weird weird reason. I don't know why Um, he got the start and saw some good things. Interceptions, a couple of throws that you know, where a couple were forced. Jacob Easton came in to evade very bad. A couple of catchable balls were dropped. Uh, I, I believe Zach Hicks actually, if I can quote tweet him correctly, Jacob Easton is going to throw one of these balls into Mike Strong's head. He's going to throw it right through his head. I'm pretty sure that's what you said, Zach. Yeah, I think I think that's paraphrased correctly. I'm pretty sure that's right what I said. I, I, I really uh, hope I was on point with yeah. that. Yeah, he was throwing it pretty hard in that game. <laughs> right. So, Zach, where where are you at, man? Because this is a debate. Destin even knows this was a five-hour-long debate in one of these group chats the other night. Where are you in this quarterback two battle, quarterback two battle? Yeah, well, I don't really think anything that would have happened in the preseason would have changed my opinion on this. Uh, I was – basically the way that I always see it, the way I typically see a lot of backups when it comes to the NFL is, yeah, you want someone who can kind of be safe and move in the pocket and be mobile and stuff like that and and make things happen as your backup quarterback. But when you're looking at young players, I just feel like you got to go with the one that can actually utilize the whole field and the one that has the bigger arm, the one uh, who has the potential to actually be something in the NFL. And I love Sam Ellinger. I think he does just about every single thing right as a quarterback, great mechanics, great pocket presence for the most part. Uh, he has a good mobility, uh, just so many good things. You know, he's very clutch. I mean, I know it's something that you can't really analytically prove is the ability of like clutch and momentum and stuff like that. But he, at the end of games, he just steps up and he makes things happen. So I, I really do like a lot of Sam Ellinger. It's just at the end of the day, that arm is going to limit so much what you do. And I think we really could see it in that game on, on against Minnesota. It's, it was, it was even the plays that he was completing passes. You could see how long the ball took to get there. Uh, and, and part of me thinks when, you know, when you play a real NFL defense, because preseason football is not real NFL defenses. It's we're going to throw a cover, a basic vanilla cover two at you. Uh, we're going to mix in some basic vanilla uh, man coverage with a single high safety. That's all it is. There, there's no real coverage thing. When you're really dropping guys back and you're and there you have guys driving on outside routes and stuff like that, Ellinger's arm's just not going to hold up in the NFL. And, and 
again, I like so much what he does. I just think that limits so much your offense. It really makes your offense have to operate in between the hashes. You can't really attack outside the hashes. Uh, so unless Ellinger came out in the preseason and was fitting in every single tight window throw and throwing with great velocity, there was really nothing that was going to change my opinion on who should be the backup quarterback. Uh, I, I just would rather roll with the guy who, it, you know, at the very least, Jacob Eason, even if, you know, there are issues with the pocket presence, there's issues with the happy feet. We saw a lot of that actually on uh, this past game, the happy feet, uh, even in the second half were, were bad. And actually the only balls that he really took velocity off of his passes were the p- passes where he was jumping in the pocket or he was not set correctly. <laughs> and those were actually some of the ones that he completed because he was throwing them a little softer, but uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of issues with Jacob Eason that he has to improve on, but just from a schematic standpoint, when you're a defense having to prepare for a quarterback, you have to cover so much more of the field with Jacob Eason, even if he's maybe less accurate or can't really get out of the pocket as much. You have to just, you have to be more aware of the field where Ellinger, you're just kind of limited hash mark to hash mark. Yeah. I say when it comes to the like arm power, I think a lot of people read into it sometimes as you're saying, like, if, if this guy, if said guy doesn't have a elite arm strength that he's not going to be able to make it in the NFL. Like that's not exactly the case with Ellinger. It's just your arm can't be a liability. Yeah. Well, he, like, I don't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. Oh, but if, if, if you have an arm like Ellinger or an arm like Drew Brees last couple of years or Philip Rivers last couple of years, there's only one way to mitigate that. And it's being elite on the mental side of the game. Absolutely. Elite. Like Philip Rivers knew where the ball was going to have to go before every single snap last year. I mean, that's Philip Rivers. He, he knew. Uh, he knew, I mean, there's a call where he called out the Texans blitz and w- the wrong guy was blitzing before the play. And J.J. Watt was like, yeah, absolutely. He's actually right. <laughs> you know, we messed up that blitz. You know, you have to be elite on the mental side. And Ellinger is a rookie quarterback. Like, you know, he's, he's not going to be there mentally. Uh, and I think we actually see a lot of issues in the preseason of him only kind of sticking on that first read uh, quite a bit. So, yeah, that, it's just it's going to be tough for him. Like you said, it can't be a liability and and it is right now. Because there's been multiple guys that have come to the league that definitely don't have that elite arm strength. I mean, you could even say that they're in the middle of the pack of even being good with arm strength. Like Alex Smith was never a guy that was going to go out there and throw the ball 65 yards in the air. Like that was just never his game, but he had success in the NFL. And to me, it was because he was still able to make those middle of the field type throws, those medium range even. And to me, watching Ellinger, I mean, watching him in college, I just didn't think he was going to be able to do it. I still think he improved my outlook on him during preseason. Um, now, when when I last week I said this, and if you follow me on Twitter, you saw it. I literally said a month before the draft, whoever took Sam Ellinger was going to be the worst pick of the draft. Um, so, I mean, to say that my outlook improved, it really could only improve. Um, I was a pretty low area on him, him and Jake from as quarterback prospects have just been my least favorite two to watch, um, on film Both in preseason have had games where they looked like they could belong as a backup in this league. Now the issue comes in that I just think Jacob Eason has more of the unteachables. Um, I think a lot of what Jacob Eason's problems are, you can fix with the right coaching and the right player just being able to willingly fix those things where Sam, I think hat, like, like you said earlier, I think he has a lot of the things that you want a quarterback to have where, like you said, he was clutch. I, I think mentally he's stronger than Eason. It's felt like that recently. And when you 
listen to each of them even talk about the most random questions asked from reporters, not even football related. Ellinger was just always so much more poised with his words. Like he, he, like he could be a politician almost like he, like he's just very good at going through those questions and answering them the right way, knowing that it's going to get clipped out and posted somewhere. Jacob Beeson, whenever I've heard him talk kind of fumbles over his words a little bit. He just kind of feels like a college kid still sometimes when he's talking like that. And to me, I just go with the arm talent. I go with the guy that I think has more of the unteachables. And, hey, maybe I'll be wrong, and Jacob Eason will never be anything. I'm not as big of an Eason fan as Michael, who is depressed that Carson Wentz is healthy. Um, not mo- not most Colts Nation um, agrees with Michael on this, um, being depressed <laughs> with this fact, by the way. But I'm excited to see Jacob Eason be able to learn and fix those things through coaching with Frank Reich, through Marcus Brady and the coaching staff here. But this is Carson Wentz team. I'm excited for him to be back. I'm really excited that the debate is no longer is Eason or Ellinger going to play um, significant amount of weeks in the regular season. That doesn't look like the case. Um, fingers crossed that Wentz is back week one. Look, I mean, I think I said it in the group chat Saturday night. This conversation is going to end once Carson Wentz comes back. I mean, it's going to be over. The biggest thing that I saw from Saturday now, Zach, I don't know if you know, but I spent some time with family in Dallas at the Cowboy game watching a pathetic Houston Texans team. They're not going to be good, honestly. Uh, I was thrilled to see my boy Garrett Waller from TCU, of course. Um, But when it came to Easton, I thought that first half, it was bad. He looked uncomfortable. He was putting too much zip on the ball. Two of eight, I was like, dude, this isn't good. Like, this isn't good. Uh, And I tweeted it out during halftime. With a young quarterback, I want to see where they are mentally. How tough are they mentally to know that I just had a pathetic first half. When I go and sit down in my locker, am I going to reminisce on that? Or am I going to move forward and think about what I'm going to do in the second half? And that's what he did. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable in the second half. I honestly think he had better pocket presence in the second half than we gave him credit for. It was better. It still wasn't good, but it was better. Um, Definitely some good throws. Obviously, the drops were uh, in the way a lot of times. But Jacob Eason, in my opinion, on Saturday secured the QB two spot. I always thought he would. Uh, so he's, he's, he's my QB two. It's not a debate anymore. I feel very bad for Brett Hundley. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's just here. <laughs> he's just here, uh, riding the train. I don't know if I'd say I feel bad for him. He, he's getting a paycheck just to like chill right now. I would, I would no, do it. But like Frank Reich did say, I want Brett Hundley to play a little bit and then he doesn't play at all. So um, but fine. yeah, I mean, we don't really, Carson Wentz is back. We don't really need to talk about this anymore. I am still rooting for Jacob to be better because given Carson's history, you never know when it's going to be your time to fill in for a series or the rest of the game. Moving along here in the show, clearly this is Zach Hicks's favorite topic to talk about the Colts. The left tackle position, boy, do we have some future pro bowlers at this position. Uh, Sam Tevy is getting stood up like I was in high school when I tried to go on dates. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. He looks weak. It is bad, okay? It is really bad. Um, But I need to bring up a guy who I will let Zach Hicks, again, start off. But in the next episode, or not the next episode, the next segment, I will start it off. But this one, Zach, your favorite left tackle ever. 
What has Julian Davenport been showing you? Yeah, you know, obviously I was not a big fan of that signing, and I have a whole article actually coming out tomorrow, so it's going to it's gonna be funny to – I'm not going to say eat a crow at this point, but close to it. Um, you know, going into the camp, I, I was pretty strong uh, – believer in saying that Davenport was worse than Chaz Green, worse than Loraven Clark. Uh, I was very, very low on him. And the big reason why was uh, he, he just can't move. And honestly, he can't. Uh, I'm, I'm not changing on that. He, he can't move. He has very sluggish uh, cement feet. But I guess the one thing I didn't really account for as much and why he's really pulled away in this left tackle uh, competition is he's just a massive human being. Uh, 6'7", 325 pounds with 36 and a half inch arms. I believe that's, I think that's tied with the longest arms in the league or, or maybe the longest in the league. 36 and a half is, I don't think anyone's up there with that. Um, and, and you know, it shows on film. He's, he's not amazing with it. And there's still a lot of things that he can, I mean, he, he, we're talking about for a backup tackle or a fill-in tackle here. So it's obviously not going to be very good, but I think, the, the biggest thing that I really go into in my article and the biggest thing I've kind of come away from this off season is Sam Tevy. You really can't do anything with him right now. Like he's just getting bulldozed and the, the lack of strength is, is just awful. Like he shouldn't really make the team at this point. Uh, Will Holden, honestly, if we're talking, if we didn't have a tackle injury right now, shouldn't make the team either. Uh, he's been very, very poor this off season as well. Playing at guard. He actually played a lot of guard this past weekend, which I thought he would be better at. And he was uh, definitely worse at guard. Do not play him at guard. <laughs> he's very short arms for a six foot seven guy. And, and it really shows on film and he's kind of plays high as well. Uh, but with Davenport, the best thing you can do with him is he, he's by far and away the best in pass protection. And his only issue is speed to the outside. So if you can just give him a chip on every single play, which obviously isn't ideal, but it's something you can do. If you give a chip on every play just to kind of make sure he gets that edge, I think he's going to be perfectly fine in pass protection. So there, there's definitely going to be a hit in the run game. He's, he's atrocious in run blocking. I'm like, I'm not going to mince my words there. I, he's, I mean, if you watch the game, go back and rewatch the game. I mean, he's, he just does not get any push in the run game. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the most important thing is keeping your quarterback clean. And, and that's what he does better than these other two. So Julian Davenport, I think, has run away with this left tackle competition. Uh, I don't even think the other guys should be getting first-team snaps at left tackle in practice, and I don't really think they have in the last two weeks. I think it's all been Davenport uh, from what we've seen with camp reports. So, uh, I, you know, I'll eat a crow at this point. I, I think he's played a lot better than what I thought he would, and, and he's really solidified his spot as that, that left tackle in the season. So. I'm glad that one of these guys separate themselves with, you know, at least decent play. You know, it wasn't one guy separated because he wasn't atrocious or like, you know, like that all these guys are atrocious, but he's the least atrocious. Like he's actually played decent in the preseason. Uh, he's been head and shoulders better than the other two guys. So uh, I'm glad that someone has locked down that spot at least. Yeah. I mean, for a while, everyone was talking about like the biggest issues the Colts were going to have cutting the roster down was going to be receiver. So many guys, the defensive line, so many guys. Then the left tackle spot's just been, we don't want to keep any of them. Um, it was just going to be like, who's going to make the roster? Because somebody has to. Um, but like you said, I thought Davenport um, did look really well in this Viking outing, um, at least, like you said, in pass protection. Now, I, I just have to talk about Sam Tevy because the, the good thing for Davenport is he's not had to run away with it. Um, he's really been able just to, like, pace himself and jog away with it um, just because uh, Will Holden – 
I think has surprised, surprised me how poorly he's played, just because I felt like he showed at least some potential in that Pittsburgh game last year when he had to come in. Now, it, the thing that sucked for all these guys is the Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly injuries, um, just because we've not been able to see who, who it would have been the easiest to be able to hide um, or help in those realms with those two other elite guys right next to them. Um, those guys haven't been out there. Um, so they've been, I mean, I'm not an anti Chris Reed guy. I and mean, I know you're a big Chris, Chris Reed guy, but I mean, Chris Reed next to Davenport, Tevi or Holden compared to Quentin Nelson is a significant drop. Um, and it, so it's just the big thing here is that I wish we would, we would have been able to see a little bit um, of the healthy offensive line to be able to figure out which of these guys would have been the best fit. But I don't think it mattered who was next to Sam Tevy. I'm um, watching him just get thrown around during training camp. I mean, these young defensive linemen, I mean, for the longest time, we didn't know if it was Banigou and Pay and Toure looking good in camp or if they, if they just lucked out and had Tevy on the snap. Um, it's it, it a highlight reel. You don't want to have a Sam Tevy highlight reel. Um, last week we were talking about how I'm 6'5", 325, um, 325 pounds. I, I don't want to go out there in training camp and have a Sam Tevy-like training camp. Um, couldn't do it to myself. I have too much pride. Um, and because of that, like, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see – these first few weeks or however the length of time Eric Fisher's gone and we'll, I'm sure we'll know a little bit more about that as the regular season and the cuts come to be but I, I do have a little bit more optimism knowing that Davenport played well in the Minnesota game and knowing that Quentin Nelson and Kelly will be there week one most likely I'm in the same boat I'm in the same boat uh, you know neither guys give you a makes you feel comfortable about week one well maybe not even week one I don't really think Seattle has much of a pass rush in my opinion I mean I what did didn't they just release Alden Smith and I think they have Dunlap and they have a couple good ones they got Dunlap they got Benson Mayoa who had about nine I think who had uh, nine sacks two years ago he's very solid uh Darrell Taylor is very good Alton Robinson I think is a really good young player so they're you know they're gonna give that port some trouble yeah but honestly every single backup offensive tackle in the league would have issues starting right now. So, or and half the starters too, like that, that's the state of play of offensive line around the league right now. So as long as you could say like, this guy can be like meh or even below average, we'll take that. Like that's right. all you have to hope for. I mean, we've seen the Raven Clark and Jazz Green play snaps oh at left gosh. tackle for us. So as long as you can say like, eh, this guy can be slightly below average, like that's a win. That's a major win right there. I never understood why the Raven Clark stepped back 20 steps just before he got his hands on a defender. But uh, do you think however long Eric Fisher is gone, you mentioned it earlier, whether you're going to help him out with a chip or anything like that. We have Doyle and Cox. They're, they're pretty solid blockers. So do you see a lot of help on that side, however long Fisher is gone, even if their sole responsibility, just help him block us? especially for the nightmare we all know we're going to see in week two. Um, do you do you think Frank Reich is going to try and scheme something up like that with those two guys? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually wrote an article about it, I think, for for Sports Illustrated when I first got up there when I was doing those, fans, those fan question mm-hmm. film rooms. Someone asked me, how do you hide a, a deficiency at tackle? Uh, and the perfect example is 2018 with Braden Smith, uh, the Colts never put Braden Smith in difficult situations that year at all. Cause he was a guard playing tackle. Like there, there's no reason to, uh, he, he did actually, he did have some one-on-one blocks, but for the most part, it was 
uh, combo blocks, running back chip, tight end chip, or, uh, you know, play action away from Braden Smith to make sure that the rolling of the player, the, the way the play is going and pass is not going towards that deficiency. So there's definitely ways to help to cover it up and to hide it. The Colts have done it the last couple of years. I mean, they did, again, they did it with Braden in 2018. They've done it whenever there's been injuries at left tackle as well. Outside of what was weird about like that Browns game last year, it felt like they put the Raven Clark on an island with, with Miles Garrett. But uh, besides that, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. They'll hide it. Um, when you have you have four strong pieces on the offensive line with Fisher out, mm-hmm. so it, you can kind of divert your attention there and kind of get your get your help right there. So I think I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, it's just anyone who thinks this is going to be anything better than below average is going to be a little uh, disappointed. I think. All right, getting into a much 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 happier topic in this show. Ben Banigou has really, really stepped up. Now, I'm not starting fire. I'm not lighting a match. I'm just saying a certain someone has been away, and all of a sudden, old boy starts whipping someone's ass. I'm just going to put that out there. You I'm not you saying couldn't at least, You couldn't at least not make it obvious. Like you, I'm like not you, making it obvious. Was, I like how he's like, don't say anything about other Colts writers. But yeah. a team person, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna make a run at him. Yeah, um, Michael's line. Here, real quick, Michael. Even know. Y'all don't I feel even like, know who I'm talking about. I feel like on this topic, I should go first just because I know okay, you two. Okay. I, we'll, go, I, we'll go with you. Okay. Because I feel like you two are definitely going to be more long-winded with it um, because I know you two are big Ben Banigou guys. Um, I'm not going to say I've been anti-Ben Banigou. I've just always been a bigger Toure guy if it comes down to just like talent production, like what I thought. Um, oh, you I, trash talk Ben Banigou. Don't, 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 don't lie. Trash talk is a excessive statement, um, <laughs> but I mean, Ben was everywhere in that Minnesota game. It, it, it just felt like nobody could protect him. And it wasn't even a, he was only playing fourth and fifth stringer offenses. He played like the entire game. Um, I think when it came out, he was at least a top two snap getter in the entire game. It really felt like he never came out. It just felt like he was on the field at all times. And when he was on the field, he was wrecked. He was just causing havoc. And it wasn't always sacks. Um, but I mean, the Zach Hicks mantra, like pressures matter more. And Banigou was just causing havoc the entire day. It was really impressive to see. I felt like he was using power and speed of, great combo of it the entire game that was the best thing for me to see was it it wasn't just one thing it felt like he was able to find a way to win the rep and won the rep now is this something he can do throughout the regular season I I hope so I, I think he went from being a bubble guy to a guy that I feel like is basically a lock for the for the 53 man roster now and we'll get to that talk later but I really do feel like this entire camp Ben has taken himself off the bubble and just shown that the work he put in over the offseason flourished. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to say that Ben Banigou has taken a step, at least in his own confidence and his own, like how he looks, how he's playing. Now it is the preseason and rewatching the game that left tackle clearly had no clue what he was doing for most of the game. Uh, anytime Banigou tried an inside move, the left tackle wouldn't even get his hands up. So, you know, there, there was obviously reason for pause in a, in a way with that, you know, but uh, Banigou played really well. I'm super pumped for the guy. You know, I, I always say it. I've talked to the guy a couple of times over the years. Uh, I think he's a great dude, really hard worker. Uh, he's always putting the work, but obviously you could tell this last off season, he really stepped it up and he's really got back to a good place mentally too, which is great to see with him. 
Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to take a little bit of a pessimistic turn with this, but like one fear I kind of have is, and it's weirded me out the last two games is why is he playing so late in these games? Like, Ooh. like, uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad, right. He'll play like 10 snaps to start the game and then he's out of there, you know? And when you watch the game, Bandicoot's clearly much better. Like this past, Maybe. like this, this past Saturday, he was way better and and maybe maybe i think you're gonna say but maybe it's just to get him more reps because he didn't play it all last year like that's i could totally see it being that maybe that's just me being anxious about something but part of me feels like it's kind of like telling getting him more film so you could trade him or something like that i'm not saying that's what's gonna happen right it's just you know when you see him out there with guys like anthony chesley and chris williams and uh, Curtis Bolton at the end of a game. And it's like, why is Ben Banigou out there? Like they're like, why is he on the field right that, now? He's already shown enough. Like, yeah. So part of that's free. And, you know, obviously Michael and I know more of the story with everything. So there is a real possibility that he's not on the team going forward because of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's part of me kind of is a little scared of that and a little, but at the end of the day, nobody can say that this is because Ben Manigou is not working or he's not producing. I mean, he is, he's worked his tail off this off season. It's, it's showing dividends on the practice field and in the preseason game so far. And, and, you know, hopefully it leads to more than a bunch of healthy scratches or a bunch of five snap games in the, in the regular season. Uh, I can't say that I'm fully confident in that happening uh, with everything going on here, but uh, Ben Manigou's earned it. So whatever happens with him, uh, I'm, I'm always a huge fan and I hope he, he's able to step up and, and be great. Um, but yeah, I'm super real, impressed with how I'm the super real impressed. reason that Zach is anxious is because Isaac, the monster Rochelle is just <laughs> there waiting to take those snaps. That's what it is. Zach, just, just, just tell the people. Do you want to get kicked out of this podcast or something? Well, I will like, say Rochelle was playing at the end of the game too. So, <laughs> I mean, I kind of would go against my point. Um, Here's my take on it, and I actually agree with everything you just said, Zach. I was telling myself that literally when I was in the stadium, AT&T Stadium, and I was watching it on my phone, I'm like, I like that he's getting pressure, mm-hmm. but he, if he's supposed to be a number two guy, not in the starting lineup, but in depth terms, why is he still playing? In my opinion, when you mentioned al Muhammad played 10 snaps, and then he could have been more. There. It could have been more, by the way. Right, I think right, it, right, right, right. That was just off the top of my head. So yeah. I don't want to say misleading stuff. Definitely, there, definitely. Yeah. Um, maybe, now this is just maybe, they already know who al Muhammad is. He's not getting stronger. He's not getting faster. He's not, he is who he is, which is a solid debt person. Ben has untapped potential, which we've been seeing now. Oh, man, I might just have to do a show by myself if he is not on this roster and, and I am not kidding right now, I might just have to do a show by myself and I'm not going to apologize for what I say, but I'm going to trust and have faith that the Colts are smart. Uh, they're not arrogant and they believe in a defense. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to get it and get into You it, will not that, see that uploaded that, at the Blues yeah. table, listeners. Um, yeah. that, that <laughs> I will say. Elsewhere. I, I will bring my the, first ever podcast back. Just the, the, last thing I, the last thing I'll add on Banigou, and the more likely scenario is that they were just trying to get him some playing, some play, 
out there, you know, because he didn't play it all last year. They want to see, you know, how, how this training camp can carry over because he had a good game against Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they probably just wanted to see him out there get some more run, especially in, in a situation where the Vikings are going to be throwing the ball a little bit more. Uh, and the hope is because of that big game, he solidified his roster spot. Like, you know, I, I, and I think that's more likely than, than the pessimistic view that yeah. I view it from. Definitely. Uh, but I do think that that's a possibility. I, like, like Destin said, like, I think he should be a roster lock after that game. And I think, it's all like he possibly could be one right now, but part of me still wants to kind of leave him on that bubble because I, because of stuff yeah. we can't talk about. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't blame you, man. I, I don't blame <laughs> stuff I'm not allowed to talk about. Yeah. I would love to see him as a scratch for this next game. Hopefully that's a good sign. I don't, you don't usually see that with number two guys, but Hey, I mean, when you really look at the other options, Jesus, Isaac Rochelle or Ben Bandicoot, that's that, that's like, Man, what is that? Like Morocco Brown said, that's the difference between Starbucks coffee and hotel coffee. Like that's just that that's just obvious. But we love you, Ben. We're big fans over here. We're rooting for you. Now it's time to get into some probably the bigger news of the day. Carson Wentz, Ryan Kelly, Nel- Quentin Nelson are back at camp. The true QB1 ginger has returned. Um, Carson Wentz, guys, we all saw the film. Uh, Carson Wentz looks great and not, not in terms of just talent. Cause he still does, but in terms of just physical appearance, the way he moves, the way he was running, it's like, he didn't have anything happen to him, especially in a foot surgery. The fact that he was bouncing the way he was. And of course they're going to have him limited, get the foot back to, you know, that physical movement, have him limited for a week. And then I'm pretty sure the next two weeks he's going to be full to go. So uh, what, what does this mean? I'll start with Destin on this one. What's this mean now that these, these three huge pivotal keys to this offense are back? Um, well, firstly, the five to 12 window just looks even more laughable. in my opinion, just like looking at this right now, I mean, well, this this is we're three weeks from week one, and we saw guys out there. I mean, I I won't call them full participants, obviously, but I mean, damn near full participants. Um, I, I can't imagine a guy that was out there doing what we saw Carson doing today with three weeks, um, to get right and get out there is not out there week one. I'd be shocked. Um, now, I mean, that's always bearing setbacks and injury recoveries and things like that that we can't foresee. Um, but just looking at what we saw today, um really didn't look like they were limiting anything. Um, they were even creating – they were using um, pads and things like that to simulate defenses on drills where they didn't usually do that. Um, it just really felt like to me that they're really banking on him being out there um, week one, which maybe is the reason they were so eager to let Eason and Ellinger play like they did as much as they did, like battling – in a sense, um, just so they can see what they have in the backup quarterback room because they really never had an indication that either of them would be playing week one. Um, I'm really excited um, to be healthy because especially for that Rams game, the Seahawks game, a lot of people don't understand that that Seahawks defense, even though they lacked talent at times in the pass rush department, which is a very creative um, bunch on the pass rush and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tougher than people imagine. So having Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly there are going to be huge. Um, both guys, um, Nelson, who I think is the best at his position, Kelly, who I think, in my opinion, should be locked into that top five in the center spot. So 
it's really big to have all three back. Obviously, Carson is going to take all the headlines today, especially when you have beat writers writing their fifth quarterback story in three days with five different narratives. But, I mean, <laughs> Carson was going to take the front seat. But, I mean, seeing Quentin already out there, see, especially from the same injury, again, three weeks to go until week one, you, it's hard not to be optimistic. I mean, they had a bone removed from their foot. That, yeah. Like, that's crazy. Anyone that saw Quentin Nelson's Instagram post, you knew this dude was not going to miss time. Come oh, on. Oh, yeah. 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 That, um, I'm not going to speak on the 5 to 12 thing. I think I'm going to dive into that a little bit more with other stuff. But um, uh, I will say that it's great to see him out there, obviously, especially after watching this past game of 12 to 10 football uh, with, you know, Easton was okay in the second half. But outside of that, Corbett play was pretty bad all around for the Colts. Uh, so it's, it would be great to see him out there, especially, you know, with a healthy Quentin Nelson, healthy Ryan Kelly, uh, hopefully serviceable Julian Davenport. <laughs> um, I, I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see him out there because I've always said this is an evaluation year. You want to evaluate what you have. And, and the biggest evaluation part of this entire year is Carson Wentz. So the more games, the better, even if it costs you that first round pick. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see him out there and, and see what he can do and, yeah, I do think that what I've been kind of telling people is I, I my person, this is just me speculating. It's not me with any sources on it, but I'm expecting him to be there for week one at the latest, I would say week three, he's back. Uh, because I think if he misses week one, there's no reason to play him week two, because like, if you're going to send him against the Seahawks, why would you play him against Aaron Donald? Uh, but, you know, get him back for that week three game against Tennessee, I think makes the most sense. So I could see them holding him out until then and until the game against Tennessee, but I think he'll be back week one. Well, the downside of us not keeping that first round pick is it takes us out of the Derek Stingley sweepstakes. That's the biggest thing. So uh, I, I don't mean, think you understand how bad we need to be to be in that sweepstakes that you're wanting to be in. I mean, your, your guy Ellinger needs to start all 17. Thank you. Pittman, go on vacation. Hilton, go on vacation. Go, go. Yeah. Hell, freaking Brian Baker, you're a defensive line coach, but why don't you call plays? Come on, Derek Stingley time. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think we have anything else to, to discuss on this. I mean, yes, I love my man, Easton. I wanted to hype him up so bad. I mean, I do it pretty good, but you could not pay me enough to try and convince you that Sam Ellinger was going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But Carson Wentz, QB1, he is here. And, I mean, hey, he just might be out there week one. So, guys, are we, uh, are we ready for some predictions here? Hey, for a- we, we are ready. But real quick, this next, this next topic is sponsored by One Call Technology. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has 100 plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone system installation and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier managements, and high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Blue Stable guys sent you. And Michael was just super anxious, super ready to talk about these 53-man predictions. So, hey, All right. but, but the hey. basis of what we're doing, we're about, to, we're about to jump in. We're about to predict the Colts 53-man rosters. We're going to go position by position. We're going to let Zach Hicks start off at each position because 
let's just be honest. You guys want to hear him more than us, even though you're on our podcast right now, which is rude, by the way, listeners. But uh, I know I know what you're thinking. Hold on, hold on, hold on now, hold on. What did that, Zach? Did did Destin just disrespect me like this? Did, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Oh my <laughs> lord! Oh man! On the ADHD day that brain. I get certified, on the day I get certified at my job, I get disrespected. Wow, that just shows amazing respect i'm just kidding but zach start us off man all right so we're starting with quarterbacks here yep, yep. We're starting right. at quarterbacks all right so i'm gonna go against the grain here from apparently <laughs> what you guys are gonna go even though i think that's what's gonna happen uh three quarterbacks carson wentz jacob Eason, sam ellinger um, if it were up to me i wouldn't keep ellinger I-, I would never keep three quarterbacks though that's just who i am as a person just like i would never keep one kicker i would never keep <laughs> three quarterbacks but no uh, I think you know it makes sense Carson Wentz obviously is, is a good quarterback but you have the the injury history that we are dealing with right now in the offseason uh, and you never know what Jacob Eason is going to be someone that you can rely on in the regular season uh, so having that third quarterback having a guy that you just spent a draft pick on a guy who they've praised the entire offseason even in some bad moments in the preseason games uh, yeah I, I don't see there being any way Ellinger doesn't make the team uh, even though, again, personally, I'd probably have him cut. I'm going to tell you how he doesn't make the team, Zach, because I'm only keeping two quarterbacks. I'm keeping Carson Wentz and I'm keeping Jacob Eason. My reasoning being with the practice squad still having those protected spots, I personally think having a veteran-type backup would be more beneficial anyway. Um, just if the case, if Carson Wentz gets hurt, I don't think having a quarterback room of Eason and Ellinger is going to help you succeed anyway. You're going to want to have a guy that if is backing up Eason that has had experience playing, in my opinion. You just have to have some experience in the room. And RG3 is out there in fridge. He's saying he can play if you needed him. I wouldn't care if Brett Hundley's the guy that gets put on the practice squad. I think, I think there's multiple veteran quarterbacks that will be on the market that can come in and be that backup if needed. And I just think we're so deep at other spots that I'm going to keep some extra people here and there at other places. Yes. So I'm I'm going two quarterbacks. Yeah, two two quarterbacks for me as well. And hey, you know, you could always ask if Tony Romo wants to get back in the NFL. Whoa, uh, <laughs> he would take a pay cut to come back. I was, I was about to say, I was say he, he's living Pretty his best life right look, now. Look, man, look, man. If he truly loves the game, money is no object, and that's coming from someone who's not a millionaire. So, uh, anyway, so I love the game, and I would take the money. <laughs> right, so. With me, yeah, Carson Wentz, Jacob Eason. I could understand from Zach's point of view why he would keep Ellinger because if you bring Ellinger up from the practice squad, who are you cutting on the roster? A valuable special teamer that goes love or what position? Well, remember with the practice squad protections, you can only protect one player three times throughout the year, and then they have to be on your roster. So if you put Ellinger on the practice squad saying Uh protect him all year, you can only protect him for three, three weeks throughout the whole season. So 14 weeks, he's available to be taken by someone else. Yeah, he can be taken by someone else. I, don't I know you guys don't care if he gets taken by someone <laughs> right. else. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying for other people thinking that that's mm. something that they could do, uh, it's not. They, 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 you, know, you can only do it three times for a certain guy. Yeah, but for me, it's Carson, Jacob, Sam, run the scout team, try to work on your mechanics, try getting better. Uh, yeah, there's really no debate from me so the next one we're gonna go running backs and let's actually start with Destin on this one. Oh, fair enough I, I thought we were gonna do the same order every time but I'll go first I, I'll, I think this one will be pretty 
much the same the for same, everybody. We're still all the same four. Yeah. yeah, I was I was hoping to see somebody pop off and earn that fourth spot, and maybe we were able to trade a guy for a pick, but. I didn't really see enough for that to happen. So the four, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. I still think Jordan Wilkins could be the second best and definitely third best back on a lot of NFL teams. But that's just not going to happen in Indianapolis. But those four, to me, are basically locked up. Yeah. The only thing I would add is I think Benny LeMay has had a good offseason. He could be on the practice squad. And I do have a feeling that Deion Jackson is someone they've been kind of hiding it kind of has that feel of it. You know, they're not giving him like any reps in the game. They have him not really getting many practice reps. So either they're going to just cut him out right here in the next couple of days, or they're trying to hide him so they can sneak him on the practice squad and not show too much of him to other. Cause I mean, he's, but he's what about traits. our undrafted streak, Zach, the fans need one to make the roster. Yeah, it's gone. Unless, unless it counts. If you claim somebody, does it count like the Noah Togiai thing that they did last year? Does that would that count towards the streak? I have, if that I counts, maybe. So. But besides that, they're they're not keeping. They're, I mean, Kafusi's had a great all season, but he's not making the team. So yeah, another so, deep spot. Oh, never mind. Never mind. He was a seventh round pick. Um, yeah, same four guys. Same four. Yeah, same, same four. Uh, you know, JT gonna go off. Marlon Mack, happy to see him. Uh, Jordan Wilkins. Let's get a fifth round or sixth round pick for him, please. Um, and let's promote Benny LeMay. But I, I agree with Destin. Jordan Wilkins would be running back two or maybe running back one on whatever team is running back needy or so. But other than that, we're not going to waste much time on that. So, Zach, next up, we're going to go wide receivers. Now, this is going to be the interesting one that's going to be, you know, very appeasing maybe to our fans. So, let's let's start it off. Yeah, so – I've gone back and forth. I've had Doolin make most of my roster predictions up to this point, but I I just think it's hard to cut both Des Patman and Michael Strawn with how they've played, uh, especially with Strawn's upside. And and Patman's been putting it out there on the field in in the preseason game. So uh, Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal, and then Patman and Strawn are my six. Um, I think you can – you can replace Gunner with either Isaiah Rogers or or one of the safeties, um, but – yeah, I'm gonna go with the six. I just think you gotta you gotta keep Patman and Strawn. I don't see how you can expose both of them to the practice squad. And even though they've tried them at Gunner and they're both not good at Gunner at all, uh, doesn't mean they're not they can't be you know a guy who can run down on kick coverage or or something like that, like on kickoff teams. So they can they can still participate on special teams, obviously, and they can get some run in the games. But uh, yeah, I have I have, I just I just don't see how you can cut either one of them after this offseason. Destin. Hashtag keep seven receivers. Um, that, it's just where I'm at. I personally agree. I don't think there's a way you can cut Strauden or Patman. Um, I mean, Strong we've seen all offseason. Um, I mean, he's just been a guy who's brought it and practiced every single day. It just feels like he has some sort of highlight or some, some sort of takeaway every day that has made an impact on somebody who was there watching. And Patman, my my favorite thing I've watched in both preseason games is just how well he's been able to use his size. Um, I feel I feel like he's been like a center in the NBA type, using his body just to completely take defenders out of plays. And I feel like there is going to be way too many opportunities to use him in the red zone with that ability to where he's just going to be able to use mm. a little – short route that he's just able to take a corner out on the in the corner of the end zone 
I just don't think there's a way you can cut him. And in my opinion, Doolin's the best gunner on the roster. And also, I, last year, I mean, I think Pittman's going to improve on this. I mean, he was a rookie last year, and he had his struggles in run blocking. But to me, Doolin and Pascal were the best two run blockers in this receiver room last year. And then if we're going to be a team that, I mean, run the damn ball. And if that's going to be a thing, I just still feel like you, it's hard to cut a guy who, in my opinion, was – a top two run blocker last year. And I think Pittman can improve in it. Um, he got flagged a lot last year in the, in the blocking it is because he wasn't really able to learn when and when he had, when and where he was able to hold on a little longer than he should have. Um, but I'm keeping seven receivers. Um, and that's part of the reason I only kept two quarterbacks was just because I feel like it's really going to be hard to cut any of these guys. I'm really proud of Michael Pittman Jr.'s son, Desmond Patman, and I'm not making fun of him. That's what Michael calls him on his YouTube channel. Um, clearly, Patman has been working with Pittman this offseason. I mean, he's been able to take some pointers, some tips, obviously, obviously from him, T.Y. Hilton. They've been working all offseason together and with other players in the league. So I'm, I'm all the way with Destin on this one, and I think I even mentioned it maybe like, what, three weeks ago or even last week with Joel on the show, seven receivers. I mean, that is a legitimate discussion that needs to be had. And look, I'm I'm with Zach on this one. I don't see a need for dueling on this roster. Yes, Gunner is important. The Colts love special teams more than any other team in the league. Um, but when we talk about special teams, man, George Odom just made all pro special teams. Doolin did it. Every punt kickoff coverage i saw zaire franklin making plays not dueling i mean come on i mean yes he's a blocker but no running routes no catching passes hell even in the preseason he doesn't do that so i mean i don't see a need for him but i have come to the realization that he's going to make this roster because the colts value that gunner spot a lot I honestly don't understand the, the part that got me with Zach is that you would replace Doolin, who is a physique freak, with Isaiah Rogers. That's crazy to me. That's too well, different. Well, I, I was going off of the last preseason game that had Rogers yeah. doing Gunner like the entire game. And he was the first one down yeah. there by like by far every single time. But he was on the side that always had like one blocker instead of two because yeah. uh, he so, wouldn't be able to get off the line. I mean, honestly, the only change I would have in mind. I would put Zach Pascal over Paris Campbell. Is that realistic? No, but I'm a guy that likes to give, you know, credit to guys that have really worked on their stuff. Zach Pascal has really become a fine young player and he's my wide receiver three. You know, I'm not, I fully expect Paris Campbell to be out there, but I want to give him his credit, his dues. He's worked hard. He's kept his mouth shut. He's gotten better every single year. And yeah, Doolin, he's going to be here. I don't care if it's number six or number seven. He's going to be on this team. Strong, Patman, they have to make this roster, man. I mean, they're just they, – they have talent. I like Patman more than Strong, in my opinion. So, I'm, I'm there on the wide receivers, unless we have any other wide receiver talk. Um, I just realized that I didn't really say any of the names, but uh, T.Y., Pascal, Pittman, Campbell, Strong, Patman, Dolan, that, I'd, yeah. I'd keep all seven. Yeah. We're, we're there with you. So at tight end, I'm pretty sure we're probably going to get the same thing. So Zach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zach I think we're all going to, yeah, I think we're all going to be in the same three here. Uh, Doyle, Ali Cox and Granson uh, in pretty much in that order too. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, this is kind of what we do going into the off season. I think Farad Green's had a really good off season and I think he's going to be a very good player to have on the practice squad. 
And if anybody gets injured, you can bring him up. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's always been those three, even with Granson kind of struggling a little bit in the preseason. Uh, but he's going to be tight end three who maybe plays 10, 15 percent of the snaps. So it doesn't really matter as much. So, uh, yeah, uh, that group's, I think, pretty set in stone. Yeah, same same three. Doyle, Moali Cox, or how I, who I like to call Michael Terraz's his favorite player, and Kylan Granson. I mean, most rookie tight ends don't really get much work in their rookie season. It's, it's just not known. It's a position where it really does take time. And now the only rookie that, that I think that is going to – be different this year across the league's Kyle Pitts. I mean, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of snaps early on, but I think it'll be good for Granson not to have a red shirt year, um, but to have very limited um, snap work this upcoming season. But hey, if we're only keeping three tight ends, he's going to be out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. And again, I am making a change to my depth chart. Mo Ali Cox is my starter. He, I want him to get more reps. We, I love Jack. Andrew Luck calls him Jackie Jack. I, I, I love Jack Doyle, but I want to get longer, faster, bigger, wider wingspan. That makes this offense better. So Mo Ali Cox is my starter. He's my penciled in starter. So moving on here, offensive line. We I, I, This is actually one I'm actually interested. So Zach, again, let, let's get going with the uh, offensive line. All right, so obviously, I well, actually, maybe not obviously, because you guys might have Fisher staying on the pup list, uh, but I have Eric Fisher making the roster because I think he's going to be back before the six weeks. Uh, so what I would do in this scenario is he makes the initial roster, the Colts could place him on IR, and he'd be out for at least three weeks. So that way, instead of him having to be out for six weeks, you can have him out for three weeks, and he could potentially come back in week before uh so that's why i have eric fisher making the roster you, you know it's a risk passing one of these other guys on your team through through you know waivers or or just cutting them out right uh to do this but i think it's worth it to get a starting left tackle back maybe three weeks earlier uh so i have eric fisher uh quentin nelson ryan kelly glow Braden smith and then the backups behind them i have julian davenport as the swing tackle uh danny pinter as the backup center chris reed as the back backup just interior player uh, and then I kept Will Holden for now just because you're going to need another tack. Because if Davenport's starting early in the year, you're going to need a, a guy who can play tackle behind them. Uh, so even though I don't think he's played well enough to make the roster, uh, that's who I'm going to go with is Will Holden there. Um, and then obviously, you know, once you put Fisher on IR, you can have an extra roster spot there. But I wasn't going to throw that in here just for just for that. So uh, I have nine. Uh, when you count that all up, it's nine guys making on the offensive line. So I have nine making it as well. Um, I do have a little change um, of one player, um, but I have Eric Fisher making it for the same reason. I just don't think he's going to end up staying on the pup just because it doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that has to miss six weeks. Um, maybe he's not a guy that has to go on IR right away. Maybe they don't have that plan for him, but I do think that's probably the most likely route. Um, and then you have, I have Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Glewin, I have, I have glow. I have Julian Davenport, who I think is going to end up being the guy that starts in Fisher's place. Um, I have Zach Hicks, favorite Colt, Chris Reed, um, <laughs> Danny Pinter. And over the last couple of days, I really just thought about this on, do I really want to, do I really think Holden has shown enough to make the roster? And I just don't. And I do think that there's a chance that they go a route where they let Will Fries make the initial roster just because even though I think he's a guy that they're going to want to play guard and they've made that pretty obvious that they want him to play guard. 
if they do need a guy to come in and play behind Davenport, if they needed to, I feel like he could play in a pinch here and there. I mean, just like we saw Holden do last year, being next to Quentin Nelson, I think would help him. And I do think he's just been more impressive. And I mean, they preach competition. So I really, I really think he's earned that last spot over Holden and my mm. gut just says he, he makes it over him. So that's the nine that I have. Yeah. I will just add one thing. I will say that he was, Outside of Chris Reed, because Chris Reed was great in the run game as well. Uh, Will Fries was by far and away their best run blocker uh, this past week. Uh, just barreling guys, uh, great at getting to the second level. Now, the whole second team offensive line or third team offensive line, whatever it was, uh, is awful in the run game. So that's why the Colts weren't getting anything. But Will Fries was constantly doing really good things in it. So, yeah, I, I, I would love for Will Fries to make it. Obviously, obviously, this is not what I would do, because I would obviously have Will Fries over, over holding. I'd play Fries at tackle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, for me, and I understand uh, Fisher making the roster for both of you guys. And if he made the roster, obviously Tevy would probably be out. You can't cut Holden. You need depth at tackle. And Joey Hunt would probably be the odd man out because you're going to go with you, Danny Pinter, and Will Fries maybe. But for me, I have Fisher not making the roster. Of course, I'm going to have the obvious four, Kelly, Nelson, Glow, and Braden Smith. Davenport will be right there. Will Holden will be there for depth. Once Fisher comes back, he will be cut. Um, Danny Pinter, Chris Reed, and the last spot came down to Joey Hunt and Will Fries. Uh, Maybe they go Will Fries, but in my opinion, if you're looking for solid depth, Go with the guy that has some good leadership, can play the three interior spots. He really does a nice job, like Ryan Kelly, identifying a lot of things as a center at the front of the line line of scrimmage. And I went with Joey Hunt on this one. Will Fries making the practice squad. It is not, you know, a bad thing at all. We do envision him making this roster, maybe even a big part of the offensive line in the future. But that was my nine. Um, you know, just going with some experience with Joey Hunt over Will Fries. I don't think that really surprises any of us with those uh, predictions right there. So any overall thoughts from the offensive side uh, of these predictions from you guys? Uh, I just want to have it for the record. Uh, Michael, what what college did Joey Hunt go to? <laughs> to uh, TCU. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. All right, yeah, we can, you guys can move hey. on. What, what it really what it really came down to is Michael already had to cut um, a TCU running back when he kept the four running backs. Man. But, but he just really well, he didn't, didn't have to. The, NFL, no, it, the, it the Colts it. did. Yeah, that's true. But, wow, yeah. Zach. It's true. Damn. <laughs> but Michael just didn't have to cut another like that. Jesus. Golly. Let's get on to a more happier note, man. Defense, my favorite side of the football ever. So let's go with um do y'all want to just go by edge and interior or do you just want to go as a group as um, a whole i say it's up to you guys i split them up when i first did it right. um but if I we want to just if we want to list them all together it doesn't really okay yeah me. all right zach kick us off all right so we're just listing them all together here yeah okay uh so across the starters i have taekwon lewis deforest buckner grover stewart quitty pay uh, and then right behind him i have Ture, banagu Alkadeh Muhammad, and then for defense tackle depth, I have Antoine Woods, and I have Andrew Brown making it this time. I've, I've gone back and forth. I, that final spot, I go back and forth between Andrew Brown and Isaac Rochelle. It just depends on what the Colts are going to want there. Are they going to want a guy who can play defensive end and then go inside just like Dio would do when Dio comes back? Or do you want that pure three-tech backup, and that's what Andrew Brown is. So I went with Brown this time. I think Brown's had a better uh, preseason. 
Uh, and then obviously in this scenario, Dio starts on the, or stays on the pup and he's out that first six weeks at the minimum. Yeah. So, I mean, I kept, I kept nine as well. Um, starters, same, um, Quiddy Pay, Taekwon Lewis, um, DeForest Buckner and big Grover Stewart. And then we got Kamoko Toure, Ben Banigou, Alquadim Muhammad. Um, I have Antoine Woods making it as well. I do have Isaac Rochelle making it over yeah. around just because his ability to play both spots, him, his ability to play interior and the in spot. Um, like you said, I mean, with Dio, a guy they're trying to plan for coming back, I do think they're going to want someone that can do both um, just to be able to stay similar, uh, even though I think Dio with – without one of his Achilles right now um, is better than Isaac Rochelle probably, but that's just where we are. Um, but that, that's definitely the nine that I would keep with obviously Dio staying on the pup. Um, yeah, no, Isaac Rochelle's not making this roster. Uh, so for the nine that I have, of course, the starters, of course, because the Colts have been very high on Taekwon Lewis, very vocal about him. Quiddy Pay, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Taekwon Lewis. My backups are, Kamoko Toure, Ben Banigou, Andrew Brown, and Antoine Woods. I really like Antoine Woods. I was excited when we signed him for him to be the backup of Grover Stewart. He was, you know, the heart and soul of the Cowboys defense was not very good at all. So he's going to be a backup, which is a good thing. But the energy, the pop he's got, I like it. Andrew Brown has been, what, outside of Ben Banigou? the very quality pass rusher the Colts have had. I mean, he's he won a lot, a lot of reps. No, I'm not disrespecting Toure here, okay? Hey, hey Chris Johnson. I think – is it Chris Johnson was the, um, was the interior guy playing with Banigou near the end? He, he, was, he was winning. Chris Williams. Chris, Chris Williams. Williams. Johnson Williams, yeah. my bad. But, yeah, Williams w- was winning a lot of reps. Um, he looks like a good practice Williams. squad candidate. I, th- yeah. I like him. I like him. He's Definitely. from a small school, I think, too. Oh yeah, definitely. So definitely. real, real quick, Mike. Let's run back. Did you cut? Yeah, there's a couple did, things I want to. Did yeah, you cut Alfredi Muhammad? No, 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 no. He's gonna be my fifth defensive end. Okay, okay. so you just, so okay. you just forgot yeah, to say. Gonna, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, actually, I was I like, was man, going, I was he's going getting, by units. He's getting rid of all units. the dead weight. No, right. <laughs> no, because Alfredi Muhammad, even though we know what he is, he's still better than Isaac Rochelle. I think he can play inside, outside. He's yeah, he's. He's I definitely thought, a solid I, player. When you didn't say his name, I thought you cut him. I, I was my bad, know. my bad. I definitely put in Muhammad's a lot like Zach Pascal. Zach, Zach Pascal, or whatever, for defensive end. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, you know, you know what he is. Yeah. yeah, perfectly he's serviceable. Fine. He's not bad or anything like that. I have Toure and Banigou higher than him because with youth, speed, they've shown a lot more. They have a lot more potential. But will they play more than him? But will they play? I I don't know. I'm just doing what I would do. Ready your heart, Michael. Ready Ready. your heart for him to out-snap them. It it is ready. Trust me. It's ready. But that (laughs) is my nine. So let's move on to the linebackers. I'm not entirely sure. This is another fun one. This is another fun one to cut down. A very another fun one. So, again, Zach, let's get it going. Yeah, so I, I go back and forth throughout the offseason, but I kind of settled for what we've had. Uh, I, I think there's four locks. I think it's Darius Leonard, Fabio Kariki, Zaire Franklin, and and, uh, Gla- and Jordan Glasgow are the locks. Um, and then after that, I think Matthew Adams and, and EJ Speed are the other two that I kept. Uh, Adams was a little tough because, you know, he's, he's kind of like – Obviously, he's. I think he does more, but he's kind of like the Ashton Doolin of the defense, where it's like special teams, and and that's why we keep him. But 
Uh, I think he's had a really good offseason. I think he's uh, played really well in the preseason games. He's shown a lot more in coverage than we've ever seen, I think, uh, in these preseason games. So I've been really impressed. Uh, and I, I just think he's kind of shown more. I like what Curtis Bolton's done, and I like what Isaiah Kafusi. I think, is going to be a great practice squad player to have. I think he's had a, a really strong preseason, but Are ultimately I think – Sorry. Are you keeping both of them on the practice squad? You might. Yeah, I might. Uh, I think Bolton's a little old for the practice squad. I think he's been on practice squads. It is an extended. I don't know. It is an extended practice squad. Oh, okay. Still. Okay. So, so okay. yeah, I mean, does, yeah, does he it, have practice squad eligibility? I don't know. I, I, well, I think everyone does now because it's veterans, right? They're keeping the rules from last year. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. So he should be. So yeah, I mean, it, I think it's sixteen people on the practice squad, so you could keep both for sure. Um, but yeah, either one of those guys sticking around, I, I, I like both of them, or even Malik Jefferson, I think he's had a good offseason too, uh, especially on special teams. Uh, but I'm, I, I guess I just go with the old tried and true, uh, you know, Leonard Franklin, Oak Ricky, Adams, Steve, and Glasgow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to um, keep the same six that you just said. The only <laughs> difference really that I have is the only person, the person that I was considering between Jefferson or was EJ speed. Um, I, I have EJ speed as the sixth guy getting on just because I really just feel like he had an opportunity. I mean, I understand he got hurt um, as well, but it really just felt like he never had an inside track that we thought he would have. I mean, I was always team C Zaire Franklin out there just because the dude is just all over the place. And he has that athletic profile that I really thought could translate to that Sam role. Um, so I'm, I'm excited that that's the guy that looks like it's going to have it. I mean, he's also, I mean, he's been a captain um, on this team for a reason, just because of that vocal presence that you can come in and replace a guy that you're losing in Walker, who probably his biggest strength to the team was that leadership and locker room presence. So Darius, Okariki, Franklin, Glasgow, Adams. And then I have EJ Speed as my sixth getting in, just because I feel like Adams to me has shown more um, during this offseason, um, whether that's EJ Speed's injury or or not. I mean, that's just how I have it. All right. Uh, same, same six for me. I really, really debated. Speed and Bolton. I really debated the two. Um, Bolton's, had, Bolton's look good. Look yeah, good. Bolton, Bolton, Bolton's look good. I didn't consider Glasgow because, obviously, the special teams. When Chris Ballard raised oh. about your special teams, you're making the roster. Um, so it was really between both of them. And I, I don't want to give up on EJ Speed yet. I, I really don't want to. I believe in the guy. Went to Tarleton State about maybe, what, two hours from me. He was a stud there, man. He was all over the field, and obviously that's a different brand of college than what he would have gotten out of D1. But I want to still believe in him. Zaire Franklin, man, there there has never been any slander out of my mouth about Zaire Franklin, man. He's done everything by the book. He is a leader. Dustin said he's been a captain. I understood why he never got more reps at linebacker. He's just so good in the run game. He's just so good in the run game. Matthew Adams, again, special. So I'm excited to see Zaire Franklin and hopefully in an increased role. I still think we, we still might miss Anthony Walker. And I think, honestly, we might see it in the season. He, he did a lot of things for this defense, communication, identifying a lot of things. Now, maybe he wasn't the greatest in pass coverage. But he identified a lot of things, and he helped Darius Leonard get in a lot of positions to be successful as the play caller for that defense. So, I mean, I, I really miss Anthony Walker myself, but I'm excited to see Zaire Franklin because sort of, you know, like Dustin said, step into that role. So those are my six. Leonard, Okariki, Franklin when we're in a 4-3, 
and then Adams, Speed, and Glasgow. So moving on to, I think this is everybody's favorite again, probably the same, but maybe different on the depth chart. So corners is definitely fun to talk about. So again, Zach, let's get going. Yeah, so I, I feel like we're all going to have the same six here. There's no reason. I don't think there's anybody on the roster that's even kind of competing for a spot outside of the six. Uh, but the starters, Xavier Rhodes and Brock Kassin, uh on the outside with Kenny Moore on the slot. Uh, TJ Carey backing up the slot and also backing up the outside. Marvel Tell is the fifth. And Isaiah Rogers is the sixth. Yep, same six, same really depth chart. I'm I'm really shocked that Marvell Tell didn't really ever – it didn't even seem like he ever had a chance at the outside corner spot. I didn't ever feel like he um, – not that the coaches didn't give him a chance, that he really never pushed his way into that spot in camp. Um, but Kenny Moore, Rhodes, Yusin, Harry, <clears throat> Tell, and then Isaiah Rogers are the six. And I'm, like you said, I think that's pretty much all locked up. Yeah, for me, my depth chart, same six, but the depth, depth chart's going to be different. Obviously, Kenny's going to be the nickel. Xavier Rhodes is going probably going to be our uh, number one. But I'm going to keep uh, Rocky Sin as the number two. Look, man, your third year, we know what TJ Carey is. It's time to put up a shut up, man. Step up or you're going to be on the trade block. And get it together. Get your, S, get your stuff together. Turn your head around in coverage. Stop getting so damn handsy. Stop trying to suplex people like you're in the freaking WWE and play some goddamn football. Uh, that's what you're drafted here for. You put that on film, put it all together, and actually make a difference in this damn secondary. So my number four, uh, man, is obviously going to be TJ Carey. But I'm going to give the number five to Isaiah Rogers. I love me some Isaiah Rogers. I'm going to give Marvell Tell number six. Um you know, none of them have done bad things. I have nothing bad to say about either of them. I really do like what Isaiah Rogers has shown this preseason, though. I like it more than what Tell has shown. I think Isaiah Rogers, man, I think he does have a chance to potentially be a number three or four. I don't think he'll be number one or two, but as a solid three or four, man, I see that in him, and I am definitely rooting for him. So that is my six and my depth chart so moving on to the safeties now this one again i envision will have the same four or five uh so zach would you do the honors i think we're all at i think we all have to have four here i don't think yeah. we can have <laughs> i would say i think we can only yeah. all have four here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but no i have kari willis julian blackman Andre, I think it's Sacher, it's Sacher or whatever is how you say it. Sacher, um, his, his wife follows me on Twitter. His dad and his mom follow me on Twitter. They're really nice people, and they always try to correct me and be very nice about it. But so what you're I, saying I actually, is you feel pressured to make him feel make the roster right now. No, no, I love his game, dude. I'm going to write a whole article on him again. I, I love his game. I've actually, yeah, no, I, I think he's had a, he's had a great offseason. It's a great offseason um, for yeah. a guy I think he's – I think he's what 26 now. Uh, so he's been around the league a couple times, 25 or 26. Uh, and he's had a lot of opportunities, but he really is embracing that, that kind of Roland Milligan role from a couple of years ago, backup nickel, uh, backup safety for either free safety or strong safety. He's played them all better than the younger guys we've had in there. Uh, so my fourth safety after that is just George Odom. Obviously got to keep him all pro uh, special teamer guy. Uh, so yeah, I do have rookie uh, Sean Davis missing the roster. There, there's literally nothing he's shown in college film or in pro on preseason film that's impressed me. So 
practice squad maybe to see why you drafted him and see what you can yeah. do there. But um, I just don't I don't see the point in keeping. I do like a a little bit of what Ibrahim Campbell's done this preseason. I, I love I like him as a like a you know box safety, a strong safety type. Uh, so maybe put him on the practice squad with the with the eligibility stuff. But um, yeah, none of those guys are really challenged. Uh, Andre Shashir for me. Cool. I think he's played well. Well, Campbell is the punching bag for Michael Pittman, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you tell yourself who that Cam that uh, Pittman won that fight. Okay? <laughs> you tell yourself that. All right, Destin. I have the same four: Willis, Blackman, Odom, and Shasher. Um, I think it's Sasher. It's Sasher. Sasher. I have a hard. I, I know that I have the spelling down because I've. I mean, like you said, he's had a really impressive offseason to the point that I've had to tweet his name out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've really gotten the spelling down. My phone corrects it, actually. If I, if I try to mess me up, too. it auto-corrects it finally. Um, but those are the four for me. I mean, I'm more surprised that um, he was able to win the job over a guy. I really felt like they signed Sean Davis as EAN, um, guy who spent some time in Pittsburgh, with the idea of him coming in and playing that fourth safety role, that third safety, if you want to count it, um, just because of Odom really doesn't usually get a lot of snaps at safety um, for whatever reason it is, but he doesn't. Um, so I thought that was the guy that was probably going to take that Sorry. role. Sasha Ray. That's how you say it. Sasha Ray. Hey, so I got it. So it's hey. Sash with a S. Oh, Sacheray. What did I say? Sacheray? Close. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, either Sacheray way, is what it is. We, we pronounce it just about 12 different ways. Uh, we have yeah. the right one. And we got uh, it. We got it. Yeah. And I, I promise if they're listening to this hour, what we an hour and a half right now, uh, if they're this far into the podcast, Sacheray, I got it now. Yeah. You, now you guys have it. But uh, those are the four that for me as well. Um, neither Sean Davis makes it. Um, maybe um, Sean S H A W N, the rookie, makes the practice squad. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, oh, man. Um, man, four safeties. Four safeties, or maybe five. You don't have the roster space. Cut the kicker. No long snapper. Or just Look, put dude, if we were doing my if we were doing what I would do, I wouldn't have okay. Oh my Jesus. So you're going for two every time. Yeah. All right. Or use the hard to go home. Go bigger. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't kick. There's no field goals. No field goals. Oh, there's no there's no field goals in Zach Lee. Zach Lee. Zach Hicks's NFL. No, no, oh. I've been very adamant about that for years. No field All right. All righty. Well, right, go ahead, go ahead. Say your safeties. <laughs> my safeties, of course, are Willis, Blackman. I, I, I just don't understand why George Odom hasn't gotten reps at safety. That Kansas City game in 2019, man, he made plays. He was all over the field. Why? Were you not playing him freaking – okay. So, George Odom and Andre Sachere. Did I get it? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Did I actually get it, Zach, or are you just yeah. setting me up for failure? No, you got it. Sachere. Okay. And then Sachere. The yeah, last – So, the, basically the... – yeah, I, I thought you were done. My bad. No, but, no sir. He's never no, done. Sir. He's I never done. Never, <laughs> never, never done. Um, never assume. Never assume. Never assume. He's going to keep with, going. With the rock, with the rock, damn it. With the rookie, Sean Davis, 
I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily understand the pick. It broke my heart that Washington took Derek Forrest from Cincinnati. But uh, other than coming downhill, being a hard-hitting safety, I mean, even Chris Ballard, we saw in the, in the what, the draft day uh, vlog, Chris Ballard was telling Jim Irsay, you know, we're getting the safety hard hitter, speaking highly of him. And I'm with Zach hasn't really shown much. Uh, clearly you'll, you, you'll keep him on the practice squad just to see what you have, see if you can uh, continue to coach him up. So those are my four. I wanted to talk about Sean Davis. So I'm pretty sure we all have the same special teams, of course. Right. I think we all have the same defense for the most part outside of Andrew Brown versus Rochelle. I think we had, I think we had every single thing the same on defense. Yeah. Even though this roster was deep, I think everybody's sort of cemented their place right right now the only place that i thought we were going to be really different was i mean the rochelle brown obviously um that which we did see some difference there um i didn't know what it was going to look like at linebacker if you guys were going to keep the same six but we obviously all did and then going into offseason i thought that fourth safety spot was going to be a fight and it was going to be one of those that was going to be tough to cut but i really think those four have just run away with the job and obviously special teams just so everybody knows we, we all three probably have Hot Rod, Roberto Sanchez, and Luke Rhodes. Um, and hopefully the Colts find a sorry team that's willing to trade a seventh rounder for uh, Eddie Panero. Even if it's a 2025 seventh rounder, I don't care. Just give us a pick. I'll take an Amazon gift card. Are you serious? Oh, the disrespect. I mean, if you're going to cut them, what's the difference? That's zero. At least it's on Amazon, you, you get two-day delivery. <laughs> Who cares? It's a it's oh. special teams. It's a kicker. I like special teams. Right. I don't like kickers. He hey, I mean, else. he's hey, he's done what he's supposed to do, so maybe he'll land on his feet somewhere. Um, other than that, I don't think we have anything else for the show. I don't think so. Anything from you, Zach, Destin? No. Uh, kickers suck and and go Colts. I mean, that's all I really got to say. Right. And and it's and it's Sasha Ray. Sasha Ray. Sasha Ray. Ray. Sasha that, that's Ray. the biggest takeaway. But Sasha hey, guys, Ray. you guys have been listening to the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided, the Blue Stable. Make sure you follow, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on YouTube and subscribe as well. Um, my name is Destin Adams, Michael Tarazas. Our other co host, Rashad McGinnis, currently fighting through COVID 19 and getting his household um, to feeling better. So we're praying for him there. But other than that, guys, really thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Colts. <laughs>